This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to get to visit with Laura Deirda. Laura, besides being a Chicago White Sox fan, is the editor-in-chief at Becker's Healthcare. She talks to us regularly about some of the key issues she's watching on a regular basis. Laura, tell us, what are a couple of the stories that you're following currently? Uh, talk to us about those. What are you watching currently? Absolutely. Well, Scott, it sounds like the pitchers and catchers are doing well in White Sox camp today. But more importantly, we are excited to be looking through a lot of things happening in healthcare. There are so many transitional things happening because of, you know, coming out of the pandemic and really looking ahead towards what is possible in the future. But at the same time, understanding right now where the healthcare landscape is, it's definitely um, a challenge for leaders. And I've been hearing from a lot of CEOs about how their leadership style is changing from that command center type of leadership where it's very much top down having to get things done and, and really making sure that people are moving quickly and very much making changes based on what was happening daily during the pandemic to now switching more focus to an authentic type of leadership style and very much more collaborative with additional leaders within their C-suite as well as their um, VPs and managers to be looking very thoughtfully on how they're making decisions and what they're aiming to do, um, both building a culture within their organizations, tackling some of the challenges of the workforce and burnout, um, and then looking at where they're headed in the future. There's so many uh, changes that they're going to have to be managing through, whether it's more virtual care, hospital at home, more remote patient monitoring, more uh, doing things outside of the traditional walls of the hospital, to thinking through how they're caring for their communities, going to be transitioning some of their care to outpatient surgery centers and really just what that means and what that entails for the larger organization. So it's been fascinating to hear and think about what those top leaders of hospitals and health systems are doing to really authentically connect with their teams and meet with everybody across the board, frontline workers, and really listen to what their struggles are and challenges are day to day and then respond to them. We're also being mindful of the financial challenges that hospitals and health systems have across the country. We heard last year was the worst year since the pandemic began in terms of hospital finances, just because the um, many different things colliding and then the federal funding drying up for the hospitals and health systems. And, you know, Fitch mentioned in a report earlier in March that um, margins for nonprofit hospitals are likely to get worse before they get better. And so there's a lot of challenging things out there, but these pragmatic leaders are definitely not letting that get in the way. They're being very mission focused um, and really spending a lot of time with their teams in, in the, their workforce in order to make sure that they have the people in the right place to continue providing care to the community. And they're also focusing on uh, social determinants of health and projects and programs that are really strengthening their reputations within their communities so that they're in a really good spot to when they're able to do more um, capital projects, when they're able to, to do more mergers and acquisitions and really grow as an organization, they have a strong and committed workforce that is going to um, push that mission forward, if that makes sense. No, thank you very, very much. A lot of community focus, a lot of team focus and, and team and community focus and, and focusing on it, elevating discussing the mission of the organization. And at the same time, trying to take care of the financial operations, which have been incredibly daunting for health systems uh, in 2022. And as you said, I think Fitch has said this, 
Um, Coffin Hall has said this, that there doesn't look to be that much relief on the horizon for 2023. There's also just tremendous competition for staff and for doctors and everybody. So this job of the CEO, it's always been a challenging job. It seems like it's twice as challenging as it's ever been currently. And so we'll see how that plays through. Sort of this focus of CEOs and leaders on staying very close to their teams, very close to their communities, very mission focused while trying to take care of the bottom line and watching the evolution of care towards other settings and trying to improve technologically. Laura, anything else that you're watching currently aside from that sort of broad array of issues? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so uh, dovetailing somewhat from that is thinking through um, on a more pragmatic and business sense, you know, what organizations can do in order to really um, make sure that their teams are working uh, to the top of their abilities to solve some of the workforce shortage issues. I know a lot of uh, organizations are having to work with even leaner teams than they have in the past just because of the finances. So one of the things that is really top of mind now more than ever for hospital CEOs, as well as the rest of the C-suite, is how automation technology and artificial intelligence can really boost them on many different fronts. And so Obviously, the keyword and the buzzword on top of many people's minds and in many industries is chat GPT and what that can really do um, to be disruptive, to be an aid to you know workers across all industries. Um, but in healthcare in particular, it seems like there are a lot of different ways that you know it can be used. Obviously, you'd have to use it ethically and be aware of its biases and how it could produce inaccuracies, not be overly reliant for where the technology is right now, especially in clinical care. But operationally, there are a lot of different things that artificial intelligence can do um, that can really boost the, the slim workforce and, and make it bring it to a point where, you know, being able to operate without some of the larger workforces that we've seen in the past doesn't really disrupt patient care in the way that it would have otherwise. Um, I think we've seen that, especially looking at clinical documentation, um, process-oriented things like prior authorizations, certainly are ways that artificial intelligence um, ha has really made a difference and can continue to boost the hospital health system operations. I think there's potential for ChatGPT and others to um, work with the very, very uh, broad swath of data combing through EHRs and, and helping with precision medicine to some degree. Um, and really, you know, as data is being put in um, from the organization, you know, in a broad data set, it could really do a lot to help just make sure that care is given um, in the right way and that patients and, and doctors have the right information in front of them to make the best decisions possible for their care, which is really interesting. Um, and then finally, it could also make sure that nurses and doctors aren't feeling the burnout that they have from EHRs in the past and really that over-documentation. So I think one of the leaders in this space, um, you know, for years has been Mayo Clinic and their Mayo Clinic platform um, has been on the forefront of artificial intelligence. Dr. John Halamka, president of the Mayo Clinic platform, told us that, you know, chat GPT and artificial intelligence is a new realm in healthcare and it's something that definitely creates real value, but also could create harm. And so they're really looking into ways that it makes the most sense to, to augment the intelligence of human beings, um, statistic analysis abilities of people within the workforce to really make decisions into the future. Um, I, I know I've heard from a lot of CIOs and CEOs as they're um, thinking through what does their future look like? What is the future of the workforce and, and what really do they need to plan for? Um, you know, there's a lot of excitement. There's also a lot of nervousness in terms of how can they 
make sure that anything that they're starting to rely on or any changes that they make isn't going to be um, harmful for patients and their communities in the future. It is it is really fascinating to see how these AI type driven situations will helpfully make doctors, nurses better, allow PAs to do a lot more, allow nurse practitioners to do a lot more, you know, and and hopefully in certain areas really allow the either improvement of the physician's skills or allow certain things to be done at a at, at a lower licensed level because you'll be able to do a lot more with AI for imaging and so forth, where a doctor can really triage some of it for having to do everything. And, and hopefully it'll help leverage our workforce better because goodness knows we are short of doctors in our country with a million doctors and 330 million uh, people and, and growing quickly. We are running into a real intersection of trouble in terms of the, the workforce. Hopefully these things will help. Um, Laura, Derrida, I want to thank you for all you do at Becker's Health. You're just a remarkable leader in total Thank you for joining us today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Scott.